welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk with me, Emma Jolin, and not Amandine this week. She is downstairs with her daddy. We have been to the beach with this um, today, even, and he has been surfing, Hendrik's been surfing, and we went for a little bit of a walk, and it was lovely to get some fresh air and some sunshine, and we left just before the rain. So we are now just relaxing in front of the fire, which is just lovely. Um, Hendrik's got quite a few days off because he is changing base, so he's going to be flying out of Exeter over the winter months, so he gets a few days um, to change base because he's been in Bristol. But little do they know, we actually live in Exeter, so it's nice to have him home for a few days and I have to say Amandine is being an absolute gem. She is being amazing. If you follow me on Instagram you may have seen last night we well I tried something a little bit different. I didn't really mean to try this. It wasn't not planned at all but I just suddenly thought you know what I'm gonna do it. She's asleep so let's do it. So I gave her a feed maybe we did pajama time and then went downstairs I gave her a feed. Um, I think this was probably about eight o'clock And then she was just completely zonked out and I thought, right, my options are to either just put her down, which we normally use the sleepy head for, or the moki basket downstairs, um, which is the bassinet kind of thing, Um, or I'd take her upstairs, which I haven't ever done before, and put her to bed before Hendrik and I go to bed. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try it. I feel a good... I feel like this could work this evening. So I did. I took the sleepy head up. I put her sleepy head inside the cot, her big cot in her nursery. And because we've got, um, we have our camera there, our baby camera thing. Um, So put her in there, left her. She grizzled a teeny bit, but nothing too major. No kind of proper, proper cries. And then she grizzled herself to sleep. And she slept right the way through until... 5am. Now at 11pm when I went to bed, which is her normal last feed time, um, I gave her a dream feed, which I've never done before. I've never been able to, or actually tried, to give her a feed while she's still asleep. But she was in such a deep sleep in the cot. I wanted to feed her because otherwise I would get woken up just after I'd gone to sleep. So I carried her into my room um, where we have the snooze pod and I managed to put her in bed with me and feed her all with her staying asleep and then transferred her into the snooze pod still asleep and then I think we had a couple of murmurs but she definitely didn't wake up and then five o'clock came around and I looked at my phone and I was like what ten past five that's amazing then I fed her again and it and then she sleeps at that time she kind of sleeps for maximum an hour but I think we got maybe 40 minutes and then it was time to get up and go to the beach. So yeah, last night was brilliant. And we've actually had a couple of nights like that. But last night was the first night that I tried the whole cot thing before we went to bed. So I'll probably try it again. Because I think sometimes maybe I miss miss, um, understand or kind of, yeah, when she's not settling, because she hasn't been settling downstairs with the lights, and not that they're on bright, but with the lights and the TV noise, for the last couple of nights she hasn't been settling, and then it gets to 11 o'clock, she's still awake, and then it's only the feeding that puts her to sleep, because I think she finds feeding quite hard work, so that puts her to sleep. Um, But... I Yeah, that's why I thought, okay, maybe she needs dark, maybe she needs pitch black, and just no noise, or can hear a teeny bit of background noise of us downstairs... And yeah, seemed to work a treat. But the few nights before that we had that were really good, so we had quite a bad day. When was it? Maybe last week, Tuesday or Monday? Hendrik was at work, my mum shot up and helped. Um, Yeah, she just was not settling. I think it was Monday, yeah. And um, I feel like my mum just pressed the reset button for some reason, or it could just be (laughs) Amandina just exhausted herself. But we had a couple of good nights where she slept from literally 11 o'clock right the way through until 5. She did that twice. Then on the third night, she went 11 o'clock through to 6. So And then it went back to two nights of... um, 3am feed, well 2am feed because of the clock change, this happened on the clock change, 2am feed and a 5am feed. So it felt like two night feeds but really it it would have been 3am and 6am if you see what I mean about with the time change. 
So we, I feel like we're slowly making pro- progress and then we kind of go back a couple steps and then we make a bit more progress and then we go back a, st- a couple steps. I'm going to try the cot thing again this evening and see if that works. Um, and then go from there. Fingers crossed it will. Fingers crossed it will. But other than um, the sleep, everything has been going really well. Amandine has been feeding really well. She's developed a bit of a latch issue. I can't remember if I discussed this in my last podcast, but she's clicking, making this clicking noise as she latches on. Um, And I don't know whether... She's got a good wide mouth, like her mouth goes nice and wide, but it's almost like my boob is just slipping a little bit. I don't know whether it's because my boob is so full of milk when she comes on, and then when my boob gets softer, she's able to latch a little bit easier, and so there's no more clicking. But anyway, she's done that, and I've kind of thought, okay, do I go and see a specialist? Do I not? I have my health visitor appointment on Friday morning, so I'm going to ask them what they think. And then we have our doctor's eight-week checkup on Monday. And guess what comes with that? Injections. I'm so not looking forward to that. Although a lot of my friends are going through that at this moment. They're they're getting their baby's jabs this week. Um, And they've been doing the Calpol thing. So it's recommended that you have Calpol before or give baby Calpol before. And then three to four lots of baby Calpol, I think it's four hourly, um, after the injections because there's one injection, I think it's quite newly added in there. I, I might be talking rubbish, but I think it is. I don't think we had it um, when I was a child, um, which gives you quite a high temperature or can give babies a high temperature. So I think I didn't really want to give her Calpol, however... I feel like the cowpole will do less damage than a raging high temperature will. Although I am going to look, I haven't discussed this with Hendrix, I don't know how he feels about it, but we are having great success with our homeopathy. Um, We are using, uh, colocynth is the best thing that we seem to be using. So they say that colocynth is great if your baby's knees are being drawn up into the tummy for wind or if she's kind of straining and her knees are coming up into the tummy and literally I give her that and who knows if it's the actual homeopathy in there or if it's the sugar in the kind of um little we call them pilou because that's kind of the French word for pills but they're like teeny teeny tiny granules almost um and I think they have a little bit of sugar in And whether it's that that stops her because she has a bit of sugar, I don't know. But we're having great success with that. So I thought I would look up what um, homeopathy would be good for inoculations and see. I know that Belladonna is a good one, homeopathy, but really I know nothing about homeopathy. I want to get a homeopathy specialist down here in Exeter who can come with us on our child's journey and almost be their doctor, I guess. Um, And so we can go to them for things first, obviously, anything major, we would actually go to the doctor. But um, if if I feel like we might need to see a homeopathy specialist, it would be nice to have one to contact. So if anyone's listening, and they're in the Exeter area, and you have used a homeopath, I would love to hear who, and if they are, if you would recommend them. Um, So if you've seen my recent Instagram post you'll see today I posted one about body confidence and uh, my body so this week I went to see where are we this week not this week last week on Friday I went to go and see a postnatal women's physio specialist although I don't know if that's what you call it but I kind of just amalgamated everything in there (laughs) and so it's basically a physio appointment but they do a postnatal screening which was really in-depth and it was something I really wanted because I went for my doctor's six-week checkup and I thought, I don't know, I was obviously very naive to this, but I thought they would check your abdominal separation. I thought they would maybe give you an internal examination and check your pelvic floor. I would have thought they would at least take a look down there and check that everything is where it should be. I have taken a look down there many a time just to double check. Things are healing and it looks how it used to look. Um, But, you know, I don't really know what I'm looking for or if there are any signs um, of if things are not quite right. That's what I thought they would do, but no. Um, I sat at the doctor's surgery. She checked my blood pressure, which is always low, so that was normal. And then she asked me leading questions, basically to 
check my mental health and check I had enough support, which was all very good. And I think that's brilliant because if you're not getting the support you need or if you are struggling a little bit, then at least they can pick that up there and then. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing that. They definitely should be. But I thought it was going to be a little bit more physical on my actual body because I wanted to be able to leave the doctor's surgery and be like, right, I can exercise or it's safe to go back to my yoga practice or, um, you know, I don't need to be careful when I'm picking her up, that kind of thing. Or my body, or just, just having a bit of reassurance that my body's healing the way it should be. Anyway, I didn't get that. So I thought, right, this had been recommended to me. I went down to, um, this isn't sponsored or I paid fully for this. It's not cheap. It's £69. And I went down to Key Physio in Kingsbridge because I had been recommended these two ladies there, Wendy and Helena, I think. Um, and, uh, to go and see them for the postnatal screening. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. So there was a lot of form filling in to start with, but you'd expect that because she was trying to figure out how my birth was, how fast my labor was, because that, that all kind of tells her a little bit what she should look out for when she's looking at my body. And then she, I stood for her and she did kind of a really quite in-depth exam of how I was standing and my posture and, um, I guess what you'd expect when you go and check in with a new physio anyway, but she was especially looking at my coccyx um, and my hips, if they were aligned, if they'd been pushed forward or pushed back at all, and if everything had come back into place well or was on its way coming back into place, and where my tightness was in in my abdominals, if that was pulling me forward, etc, etc. And she also then checked my... I can never say this my abdominal separation, diasis recti, something, but basically abdominal separation, where as your belly gets bigger, your abdominals go out to the sides, and then you want them to come back nice and close together. Um, And they have! I was really, really impressed with my body. Really impressed. I have no abdominal separation at the top. The only teeny tiny bit, which isn't even a a finger's width, is in kind of when she presses into my belly button, which is where your body gets its largest in your pregnancy. So she would expect that to be the last bit to come back together. And then the bit underneath my belly button, all nice and tight and back together. So I am super impressed with my body that... um, I didn't have any. I wasn't particularly careful, but I didn't do a lot of yoga during my pregnancy because I was nervous about having abdominal separation and also it just generally didn't feel good. So I I was conscious. I was really conscious about listening to my body. What didn't feel good, I didn't do it. Um, I wasn't careful about just sitting bolt upright in bed and using my abs to do it. They kind of say you should roll over onto one side and then get up. I didn't really do that. So I was quite surprised I didn't have anything but anyway super impressed with my body and then she also did and she checks with you you don't have to have this if you don't want to have it but she also did an internal examination now that is something I did want because I absolutely wanted to know that everything kind of looked normal and that my pelvic floor wasn't in too bad shape now I know that if it was in really bad shape I would be peeing myself left right and center when I sneezed or coughed or blew my nose or maybe even just walking so I knew it wasn't that bad but I just wanted to see I wanted to see what she thought so she if you don't want to listen to this fast forward a little bit but um she basically just puts one finger inside you um with lots of jelly on it and then you have to squeeze so you squeeze for the count of 10 and then release and then she tells you to zip up from behind so from your bum hole all the way up forward to like use kind of use the visualization of zipping everything up when you do your pelvic floor so she can see your stamina and how um forceful you can wrap around her finger basically um and she checks that the walls the vaginal walls are supporting themselves and they're not kind of really soft um and she checks for any prolapse and yeah it was really great so she gave me pretty much a, well, she did give me a great bill of health and she said, yeah, you can go back to whatever you want to do aside from, she did say, and I knew this anyway, but, and this isn't just particular for me, but she said for anybody, if you can hold off doing impact exercises, so running or HIIT training or anything where your body is really bouncing for six months, then you'll do yourself a lot of favor favors in the long run. Because I look at my body and I think, oh yeah, I'm back to normal. This is great. But really, our insides are still healing so, so, so much. 
Um, and I'm only, uh, well, she, Amandine's eight weeks, so I'm eight weeks postpartum. And there's so much healing to do when you think that you've carried a baby for nine months. And she did say it really does take, or it should take, and we should be encouraged to take nine months to let our bodies heal. So we can carry, you know, maybe another pregnancy or at least not do ourselves any disfavors for the rest of our lives because our body has to carry us for the rest of our lives. Um, Now, I know a couple of women who are not particularly old at all. They're maybe 45, 50. And if they go for a run, they have to wear a tenor pad because they wee themselves. And I understand that that sometimes is completely unavoidable. Um, but if I'm in the situation where I've just given birth and there's, I can spend £69 and have a little check and be given some exercises to do to strengthen things even more and to aid healing, my body will heal a lot by itself. But if there's something I could do, then I'm damn well going to do it. Um, so yes, if you are pregnant and or you have just given birth, I highly recommend trying to find a physio that specializes in postnatal screening and can do an internal exam as well and they can if you want that and they can just check that everything looks good um so that was last week and you guys have um sent in a bunch of of questions which I want to answer for you guys because I wanted this to be a um, question-led podcast but I also just wanted to say uh, who has ever been able to park in a mum and baby car parking space? I am yet to be able to park in one. They are always, always, always full which is great but we clearly need more of them because when you park in a normal car park space I cannot and I absolutely cannot get my car seat out of the car because I have a two door. So I have to open the door as wide as it will go to pull the seat as far forward as it'll go to pull the car seat out of the really small gap. Now, if I have to park next to somebody else or if someone comes and parks next to me once I have Amandine out of the car, I can't get back in. (laughs) Or I can, but I basically have to break my back trying to get the car seat halfway across the car onto the other side. Um, so yeah, mum and baby spaces, not enough mum and baby spaces, people, <laughs> um, especially not in Exeter, really not enough. Um, but yeah, I'd be really interested to hear from you guys, if you guys actually ever get to park in any mum and baby spaces or if they are always, always taken. So first question that you guys have asked me is clothes. What have I found has been good and what have I found hasn't been good? Now, couple of things. Baby suits. So sleep suits. Um, You can get some zip-up suits and then you get like the traditional button suits and you also can get some that button up the back. Avoid button up the back suits. I was given a couple and they are challenging to say the least. Try and avoid those. Button up the front ones are fine and I actually quite like the popper button ones. Um, It doesn't really take that long. If you think it's a bit of a faff, in the middle of the night, it's not really, because button up, they come from the feet upwards, um, or the, you know, the whole way down the chest, and then they go out into the feet, so when you're changing a nappy in the middle of the night, and it's cold, you unbutton the feet, and you only unbutton maybe up to the tummy button, you just slide the um, baby grow kind of up their back a little bit, if you have a zip one, so I also have zip ones, which are great because you literally shove their foot in the, um, sorry, my phone going off. I managed to turn everything off on my laptop, but obviously not my mobile. Um, you shove their foot in the foot section and then you just grab the zip and zip all the way up. But when you come to change them in the middle of the night and it's cold, you have to unzip their whole body. And if they're not wearing something underneath, it's really cold and you let all that lovely warm air that they've got over their chest and their arms out so it's kind of a way up between effort and um keeping them really warm and toasty I don't know I do like both and I do have both and actually all of my three to six month ones no hang on my zero to three month ones which she is pretty much in now um are zip up ones she is so she is Amandine is what is she she's eight weeks so she's not actually quite two months yet um two calendar months yet but she is eight weeks 
and she is still in a lot of her newborn stuff. She hasn't, or she's she's in the newborn stuff, but you know those mittens that you kind of fold over at the end. I can't get those over anymore. But body wise, she's still in newborn. Um, she is in her zero to three month stuff um, for clothes, for like actual outfits. But her sleep grows. She's still in newborn. Um, I have put her in some zero to three, but her legs just don't stay in the end. And then her legs end up in the body. And then she's just like one tiny little ball of amazingness. <laughs> and um, she just doesn't stretch out her feet and then they get stuck. And it's a bit of a nightmare. So that's the difference between sleep suits. Actual outfits. <laughs> Actual outfits. Cardigans. Cardigans? So I bought quite a few cardigans because I read online. Babies don't like things to go over their heads. Now, we've put stuff over Amandine's head to get her dressed since day one, so she is not bothered whatsoever by having something put over her head, um, like a jumper. Cardigans, I find, ride up, and she ends up eating the cardigan in her mouth or sucking on the cardigan, whereas a jumper, they're generally a little bit thinner, but even if they aren't, they just they sit under the neck, whereas cardigans kind of just stick over the chin a little bit, I find, um, especially hooded cardigans. Hooded cardigans are tricky, are really tricky. And I've found especially trying to find winter stuff for her that is actually cosy for her. And it's easy to feed because if you buy, if you put her in a really bulky cardigan, it's actually really difficult to get her to feed because we've had to go back to the traditional feeding, um, nose, nipple to nose, uh, tummy to mummy, kind of arm across the spine, that kind of thing. And if she's wearing a bulky cardigan, I can't do it. So I have to take her out of her bulky cardigan and then put on a lighter jumper to feed her. So it's a bit of a faff or wrap her in a blanket. Um, so if you can, I would try and find uh, jumpers which are relatively lightweight but made of really warm material. I've just got a couple of um, Zara jumpers. I'm waiting on them and I don't know how warm they're going to be, but I shall let you know. Um, and then layers, but again, when you layer them up, they just look like little Michelin babies. And that's not great either. <laughs> but warmth is key, warmth is key. So today when we went to the beach, she had on a uh, long sleeve bodysuit with those turnover hand things, so I didn't have to worry about mittens or gloves or anything, not that I have any. And then on top of that, she was in a really warm onesie, so it wasn't like a sleep one, it was a kind of day outfit one, and it was a really cute one, it's the purple one that says bonjour on it. Um, and then she had her elephant, it's like a pram suit thing, but I actually normally put her in, I don't put her in it in the pram really, I put her in it when we're going out in our ergo baby, and she's super toasty in that. Although one thing I would say is, if you're wearing socks... If you've got woolen socks on your outfit and then you go into a pram suit, it's not a easy flow for the foot to go through into the leg of the baby grow. And today, Amandine's foot got stuck and I didn't realise until I had got her into the ergo baby, which isn't that easy when you're by yourself. Um, and then I realised her foot was stuck and I was like, oh my God, this is why you're not settling because your foot's stuck. So I had to take her out of the ergo baby, unzip her suit, find her foot, put it down properly, take the sock off so I didn't make the same mistake again. It's a bit of a faff. So I would say if you know you've got a really warm suit on, just take the damn socks off and then your the baby's feet can just, you know, slide around in there nice and easy. On the ergo baby thing, so I had a question about um, do I need a wrap and a proper sling? Or can I just get away with one or the other? Of course, you can just have one or the other. You do not need both. Although I would say I love having both. I love my wrap. I adore my wrap. It is easy to put on. It is super comfy. It is brilliant if you're around the house. I hoover with her in the wrap all the time. I clean with her in the wrap all the time. Um, we walk down to the local shop in the wrap. Uh, I love it. I love the wrap. The Ergo Baby carrier, like the, the kind of proper carrier, really comes into its own when you do walking. So when I go walking with my mum or when I go on a hike, um, which is the best exercise my physio said you can do, is either pushing the pram or going on a big hike if you live in a hilly area, which we do, West Hill, obviously, and Devon, we live in a hilly area. Um, and you will engage your glutes and build your strength a lot more in your legs if you are hiking rather than running, apparently, she said. 
Um, but that's where it comes into its own because you've got the really padded straps. And I think this is the same for kind of any sling, like actual carrier. You have padded straps, you have a waistband, so it's supportive of the baby's weight, whereas you don't have that with a wrap. You are, the wrap does sometimes lose its elasticity not its elasticity, loses its kind of supportiveness if you are really going on quite a fast walk and the baby's bouncing around a little bit more. Um, Amandine prefers the wrap to the Ergo Baby for some reason. I don't know why, but she loves... She doesn't cry at all when she gets into the wrap. But with the Ergo Baby, for some reason, she doesn't like getting into it. Um, But once she's in it, seconds. I literally have to take two steps in that thing and she is asleep and she will not wake up until I stop moving um, or get her out of it, basically. Although today, I managed to transition her out of the Ergo Baby, take off her suit, into the car seat, all the way home, without waking her up. So she's obviously falling into some pretty deep sleeps at the moment, which is nice. So I would say if you can, if you have the funds, or if you can find one a good one secondhand or something, get both, because they are useful. Um, oh, that was the other thing I did today. I breastfed in the Ergo Baby. And it was really easy, really easy. Just loosen the straps a little bit so she drops down a bit more to boob height. Um, took my took my boob out, and there you go. And it's really private. I was doing it on the beach. Obviously, you can't... Well, I couldn't sit down on the beach to breastfeed because of all the dogs. Um, not that I'm scared of dogs. I'm not... You know, I love dogs if you follow me on Instagram. But I obviously don't want any running over and licking her in the face or just making me nervous. It's just unnecessary. So um, I couldn't sit down. So I just stood up breastfeeding her and it was actually really nice. And she was comfy and she could breathe really easily. It was nice. It was nice. Um, So yeah, I would recommend that. And if you like having your hands back, (laughs) you kind of lose access to your hands when you have a baby. So if you want your hands back, get a wrap for when you're around the house or get a sling. And they're great. We are going swimming when we get back from France. We're off to France next week. We are going swimming when we get back. And I am very excited about this. I need to buy nappies, reusable uh, swimming nappies, and then the thing that goes over the nappy. Um, If anyone has any recommendations or what not to buy, please let me know because we start our swimming when we get back. The other question, that was very random. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my list of questions here and I saw swimming on there, so I thought I would just mention it. The other thing I got asked about was nappy bag. Now, hopefully I'm going to have a couple of ladies who have developed a nappy bag on the podcast in the future. Um, but I'm just waiting for for um, to hear back from them. But what I found about a nappy bag. So we have the nappy bag that comes with the Jules Pram, Jules Geo Pram. It's like a sad, it's like a, is it, do you call it a saddle bag? It's like a rectangular bag. It's not a backpack. It's got a shoulder strap. So not massive, not massively keen on shoulder strap back bags, nappy bags, because if you're carrying the baby, it just slips off. I'm not a keen, I'm not a fan of anything shoulder. I, I even hate shoulder handbags really because they never stay on my shoulders. Um, what else don't I particularly like about it? The, it's great. It's big. It is great. It's big. It fits everything that I could possibly need in it. It has, um, a cooling section for milk. Not that I'm there yet because I'm not expressing yet, but when I do express and I go out, it has a cool bag section in there. Um, it has zips, it has lots of pockets where you can put your nappies, your bags, your breast pads if you need them, that kind of stuff. It has a back pocket, two front pockets, you don't have to go into the main bag. So lots and lots of pockets, I would say, is a good thing. Um, but for me, a backpack is definitely, definitely better for me, for sure. But it's mainly because I don't really use my pram very much. Um, and also the thing I find about having a big bag is you fill it. (laughs) Whereas if I had a smaller rucksack, I would probably be a little bit more careful with what I put in um, or make more decisions before I leave the house. So that's what I'd say about a nappy bag is just kind of make sure that it suits your lifestyle rather than getting something that looks good. Make sure it suits what you're actually going to be doing with your nappy bag. Okay, question time. More questions. So, you guys sent me loads for Instagram, and I took pictures of them all, so here we go. Um, One lovely lady asked, I've got a question for the podcast. I like the name Amandine a lot. I think it's French, and in general, I'm interested in names. So my question is, what was the process of finding a name for your baby 
Did you find it easy, hard? Did you have criteria? Where did you find inspiration? Did you and Hendrik agree easily? Did you have many you liked and then picked one, or was it love at first sight? Ay caramba. Okay, so um, I'll start at the beginning. What is the what is the process of finding a name for your baby? So my midwife gave us a really good tip at the beginning of finding names. So she basically said, when you have a bunch of names, write them all down on pieces of paper. So we cut A4 pieces of paper, just scrap paper, into four, and we wrote down the names. So our kitchen table was covered in baby names for ages. And every morning, well, maybe not every morning, three or four times a week we would order the names in our preference so Hendrik would order them in his preference I would order them in my preference and then we would also through that process eliminate ones that we were like oh yeah no I'm over that name I don't really like that name anymore or we would decide on a name so there were a few names that we're like yep that's definitely it and then maybe a week later of just continually looking at it on the table and actually visually seeing it written down in front of you um was really beneficial so we were able to um get rid of a lot of names like that so I would highly recommend writing any names that you like or are maybes down lay them all out and leave them there Uh, maybe take them away we took them away whenever we had guests just to make sure they didn't put their two pence um worth in Amandine we actually didn't have until maybe two or three days before the birth it was very odd how Amandine came into our lives. H- Hendrik just kind of... I, I, even, I really don't know what it was. I think Hendrik said it one day. And he'd, he'd said it before and I had not liked it. And then he said it again and I was like, maybe, maybe. Um, so we wrote it down and then took literally took five to the hospital. And I said to Hendrik, I am not leaving the hospital until we have named our child because we are so bad at decisions and I am bad at decisions. Um, Hendrik and I kept disagreeing. Yeah, for sure. We definitely kept disagreeing. So Romilly, I love the name Romilly, which is Amandine's third name. (laughs) I managed to get it in there just, uh, but Hendrik didn't like it for a few reasons, but he just didn't like it. Constance, we both loved, um, but again, decided it to be a middle name because we preferred Amandine. Um, and we were looking for a French name, uh, as well, because I just felt like it was such a waste that Hendrik's French and it would just be so lovely to have a French name so it was really nice that we were able to get one in the end because everyone kept saying to me oh my gosh there are so many French names but I just could not find one I liked much Um, and Amandine came around and loved it so what else did you say in that message Um, was it easy and hard it was really hard it took us it took us all of nine months to decide I kept putting it off kept putting it off we scrolled through hundreds of websites hundreds of top 10 baby names or we we actually stayed away from those so we looked at the top 10 baby names to know what not to call our child Um, because we didn't want something like really really random but we definitely didn't want something that was uh, trending um so we looked at uh, Pinterest, things like that, uh, old old school names, names that hadn't been used in years, like Constance. Constance isn't popular at all, um, but was was kind of way, way back, um, quite popular. Um, so, yeah, we just we didn't buy any books, we didn't buy any baby name books, um, just lots and lots of looking. And then once you find a name that you like, Google it and just have a little read of what the name means that kind of thing um which actually we didn't do with Amandine um we didn't do that with Amandine I think someone told me what it meant on Instagram and now I've forgotten uh what else do we have any criteria no just that it would be nice to have a French name but it wasn't a big deal and we didn't say we were going to have three names it just turned out that we would have three names because I wanted Romilly in there so I did and Hendrik has three names so it was fine. It w- it was quite normal for us to give her three names. Find inspiration. That's just Pinterest and stuff. Um, it wasn't love at first sight. No, it wasn't love. As- it was for me, for Romilly. But for Constance and Amandine, no, not so much. They grew on us and grew on us and grew on us. And then when we got to the hospital, yeah, so we took five of these nameplates, but we actually only selected two of the kind of name uh, pieces of paper. And then 
Hendrik was holding Amandine in the hospital, we put the kind of name plaque up against her, took a photo and then did it again and then looked at the photos and decided whether she was an Amandine or the other one. So um, that's what we did. I don't think I'll ever tell you my other baby name because just in case we have another girl, <laughs> um, that's going to stay secret. Although I possibly have told some of my friends, but there you go. What else? Another question. I'd love to get an update on your daily routine. I'm 28 weeks pregnant and I'm trying to imagine my mornings with a newborn. Okay, so currently, and this has actually been very, very similar. This hasn't changed much. Otherwise, although we're getting more success with daytime naps. So in the morning, she wakes up about five o'clock currently. Um, We feed. She goes back to sleep on me. I tend to fall asleep with her on me just a little bit. I know it's naughty, but I do. Then I try and put her down. She might get another half an hour down in her bed, then she'll wake up. So by seven o'clock, we are both awake. I normally stay in bed, like, chatting to her, um, maybe feeding, topping up, feeding her a little bit, because then, when I have topped her up and I fed her a little bit, by the time eight o'clock runs around and it's time that I decide I want to get my butt out of bed... Um, it lets me get in the shower and get dressed and she is kind of in a bit of milk happiness maybe sleeping maybe going in and out of a doze so I will tend to when I go and shower I'll put her in her big girl cot just because I know that she um, is safe in there and she can't go anywhere and I can hear her because it's right across from the bathroom um, I take my shower, moisturize, do all of that jazz, get dressed. And then I now will, if she's awake, I might take her downstairs, make breakfast, have a drink. But I'll try and keep her fairly chilled. I won't really try and play with her or kind of hype her up at all. If Hendrix here, that's different. But I will try and keep her quite mellow. Keep her in her pyjamas. Keep her in her grow bag. Nice and warm. I'll obviously have changed her nappy maybe once or twice in this time. And then I will go back upstairs maybe an hour later and feed her. Try and and give her a boob and a half. Or like make sure she has a good full boob, full feed. And then I will make the nursery quite dark and I will put her down. So I will try and get her to sleep for maybe another couple of hours. Now this has only really worked once where I ended up having about three hours and I got so much done. I cleaned the house, I hoovered, I moved furniture, so much got done. Um, And she slept really well. But recently, over the last couple of days, I guess, she has um, not been doing that. She has been waking up, settling, waking up, settling, waking up, settling. And I end up feeling like I've spent the whole morning trying to get her to sleep, which is completely a waste of time. So what I'm now going to do is if she does just kind of wake up, I will just get her and take her downstairs, maybe change her, maybe put her in an outfit or something if we're going out or just because it's nice to get her dressed properly. Um, And that's what I'll do. Then, so... Or, or on the other hand, if I know that I'm going out in the morning, I will do that. So I will feed her, but I'll get her dressed first, then I'll feed her, and then I'll put her in the car seat, and then we'll go somewhere. So that's what happened this morning. So we're going to the beach, so she'll have her morning nap in the car seat, in the car. Um, Or if I'm going for a walk, I will feed her. But I'll try and do it around the same time, because I'm trying to start a bit of a routine so she knows... For her, really, I think it's a little bit like training a puppy. Like, they know when they need to be doing something. They know when it's a good time for them to go to sleep. Their body's like, oh, yeah, I sleep now. That's fine. That's safe. I'm going to go to sleep now. I mean, I know nothing about this. I'm not following a routine yet. I've been recommended quite a few. Um, My friend Rebecca's recommended um, taking care of babies. Uh, But I actually haven't bought that yet. So I'm just doing this because it seems to be working for me at the moment. Um, and then after her morning nap, she'll wake up, we'll have a bit of playtime, um, awake time, maybe with her baby gym or just looking at me, which is apparently all they need at the moment. And I'll chat to her. We might take a walk around the garden. Um, then if she's had a good nap or if she's kind of just been on and off grizzling, she'll need a good feed. And then she can sometimes go down for an afternoon nap. So I try and get her to get her to have an afternoon nap as well. 
might take her out in her pram for a bit of a stroll or try and do a job that I have to do that involves her being with me out and about or going to town if I need to do that or going to Sainsbury's if I need to do that or Tesco's um, or the market. Go, go and do that then um, while she's with me and so she can sleep because it is definitely easier to get her to sleep when we're out and about. I mean, Hendrik's been saying today, oh my God, our baby sleeps. It just sleeps all the time. Yes, she does. But that's because she loves movement. So she was in the car, so she slept. Then she was on me on the beach, so she slept. We've just got back. I've given her a feed. She's content. There's a fire going. It's warm. So obviously she's now sleeping. Um, and then bedtime routine. I take her up to do her PJs. If we're going to do a bath time, we go half an hour early. So around 5.36, maybe do a bath, which we do probably three times a week. Yeah, three times a week. Um, maybe two occasionally, but she's not dirty. Um, I promise. Three times a week. And then from there, I will put her in her PJs and she'll come downstairs. We'll do a few feeds. She does like to cluster feed, but I am totally for that if that means she goes down and she goes down for a good sleepy time especially if that gives Hendrik and I three hours just to feel like normal again and to maybe watch a movie which is what we did last night so that's a little update on my routine it's all still very unclear but I do try and get her to have two good naps in the day and then what seems to be as of last night an evening nap or an evening sleep or the start of her sleep, I guess, the start of her sleep at maybe eight o'clock and then dream feed her. I'm going to do it again tonight. I will let you know how it goes next week or I'm sure I'll let you know how it goes in my po- in my, Inst- or my Instagram. So if you're not following me, make sure you follow me. It's just Emma Jolin and then you can get updates. Okay, another one. Um, oh, that's the carrier. That's the carrier question. Do you use a baby development tracking app you would recommend? Yes, I use um, the leaping one. Uh, Wonder Weeks, the Wonder Weeks app. That is what I, if that's what you mean by baby development tracking, that's what I use anyway. And it tells me kind of when she starts to go into a leap. So apparently she should be in a leap now. Um, I'm hoping that maybe all of this sleep is because she's leaping, she's growing. So her body needs to kind of just take it easy because all of her energy is going into feed into growing. So yeah, the Wonder Weeks app, it's a great app. I tagged it in my Instagram a couple of day, a couple of posts ago. So you can check it out. It's not sponsored or anything. I am literally just sharing everything that I think is useful and has helped me in my baby journey. Um, can you talk about your sleep schedule? Are you using any sleep strategies to help with sleep? So I think I covered this like right at the beginning. Um, but other strategies are feeding. Feeding puts her straight to sleep. Like she will fall asleep on my boob. It's such hard work for our little one um, that she, yeah, she goes to sleep. She ties herself out feeding. Um, when I put her, so occasionally I'll warm her, especially this little cold snap we've been having. I will warm her uh, snooze pod or anything I try and put her into. I'll try and warm it first. So maybe it's a hot water bottle or I'll try and create fi- friction just by rubbing my hands on the sheet. Um or I will put a blanket up my clothes and so my body temperature is warming it up before I put her down. Definitely try and do that. Um, try and warm her clothes a little bit on the radiator if I've done a bath because she gets very cold after our bath. Our house is freezing. Um, so I try and put her into warm clothes. Change her nappy um, before her last feed not for the dream feed but before her last awake feed I try and do that um I've stopped changing her nappy in the middle of the night because she doesn't poo in the middle of the night at the moment um so I have been fairly confident to keep her rolling with um one nappy in the evening and that has helped massively it's helped me feel much better because I haven't had to get up and change her nappy in the middle of the night which yeah just makes me feel less crappy um what else? When I go to put her down, I maintain as much body contact as I possibly can until the last second. So if I put her down, I'll hold her tight to my body and I'll bend over to put her into the cot or the sleepy head or the snooze pod, whatever we're using. And then I'll try and keep my face on her face um, or my a bit of my body pressed up against her body just for a few seconds, maybe for a few breaths, as I put her down so she's not shocked into just being let go of. 
Um, the sleepy head's great for this because it feels like a cuddle for them. So you take them off you and you put them in the sleepy head and they still feel like they're being cuddled. Um, or I assume that's what they feel like, but it's what it looks like. So that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I try and keep as much as my body on her until um, kind of she feels her full body weight has gone down onto the pillow. Um, I do make the room dark in the day or dark-ish. There's a little bit of light that comes in. She's really good at napping when we go out in light. So I've never had a problem with her not realizing what's day and what's night. Um, what uh, what else do we use? That That's it really. Just try and keep it as peaceful as possible. Um, try and make sure that Hendrix's not around because Hendrix's voice does... Um, wake her up and it does it he's got quite a deep voice but it, I think it's quite a vibrational voice so he, she yeah tends to wake up when he talks so <laughs> I try and make sure he's not around when I'm trying to make her go to sleep um that's it really yeah that's it so this is a good one feel free not to answer this on the podcast if you don't want to but I'm four weeks till I'm due Ooh, exciting and wanted some advice on whether you did perennial massage you said you were hardly damaged down there and I wanted to know if that made a difference. I don't know whether to start. Um, she also says I'm loving the podcast. Yay, thanks for listening. I'm so happy you like them. Um, no, well, yes. Okay, so I did do it, but I wouldn't say I actually did do it. Um, I found it really tricky because I didn't actually find that they explained it very well and I can't remember what I listened to, which actually then made it right in my head. But I used the My Expert Midwife Perennial Massage Oil, um, which was lovely, lovely oil. And I probably did it in total maybe five times. And definitely not for the recommended amount of time because I did not find it comfortable. I did not enjoy it. and uh, Not that you're meant to enjoy it, but I just didn't know if I was doing it right. And I felt like I was making myself more sore down there than actually doing any good than stretching. So... Um, no, for me, I would, in conclusion, say I didn't really do it. And I definitely didn't do it four weeks before I gave birth. I was doing it maybe, hang on, wait, when are you meant to start? 37, 38, 39, 40. Okay, maybe I did. Yeah, maybe I did. But I, yeah, literally did it maybe three to, three, three to five times, I think I did it, in total. So it didn't make much of a difference. And it, I, well, it, I didn't rip in my perineum. Um, the teeny, teeny, tiny little tear that I had was actually on the side. It wasn't on the perineum. And I think that's one thing about perineal massage is it's not really your... You are massaging your perineum, but also massage up the sides. Um, and that's that skin and up the top, like, do everything um, if you're going to do it because it's not just the perineum um, that could potentially get damaged but I don't know some people absolutely swear by it like a couple of friends when I just got pregnant sent me links and said that their friends had sworn by perineal massage and hadn't ripped at all but for me it clearly didn't make that much difference I don't know if that's going to be right if I go on to have a second child I'll probably still do a little bit I don't know I don't know if I find it uncomfortable then I won't do it it just didn't feel I didn't I didn't feel like I was doing any good with it so um, but then it could really help you. It could really help you. I don't know. Um, I can't be much help on that. I'm afraid I can't say a definite yes. And I can't say a don't bother either because I just don't know. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't have torn at all. Not that I really tore cause I didn't, but maybe I wouldn't have been stretched so much, but I do know that with my labor, if you've listened to my birth story with my labor, she took a long time to come out at that last bit like she would come down and then she would go back up again she would come down and go back up again so the midwife was saying you know she is stretching you really slowly really nice and slowly and I think that was really Amandine's doing being really kind to me plus I'd been in the water a very long time so I think my skin had I mean I was prune galore on my fingertips I remember looking down thinking whoa that's pruney um so I think it could just be that I was in the water a really long time and I don't really know if perineum massage would have helped with it. Sorry, I can't be much help. Um, reusable nappies. This is the last question. This is the last question. Reusable nappies, how is it going with the all-in-one system? I'm going to be really, really honest here and say we haven't tried yet. 
Um, so she has only just got big enough to use them. She is definitely now big enough to use them. I just need to do it. And I'm going to do it tomorrow. There we go. I've said it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. No, I'm not. Yes, uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not because we're out tomorrow and I'd quite like to do my first day of using them when I'm around and about. So maybe when I do her nappy at home tomorrow or Friday, I will start the reusable nappies because I have been meaning to and it shocks me and it terrifies me actually every time I put a bin bag of nappies in the bin, um, biodegradable or not. It really shocks me as to how much extra rubbish I am just creating with my one child. And I am one person on this whole planet. And, you know, most people don't use reusable nappies. And it's scary. It is really scary that, you know, our black bin fills up a lot faster than it ever has before. And come three weeks, we have three weekly collections where we are of our black bin. Come three weeks and our bin is only just shutting. Um, and Amandine doesn't go through that many nappies either. So I it does shock me. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that and I will feed back to you on that uh, next week or the week after. Now, Next week, I don't know if the podcast will go live next week, but next week I am really excited to be interviewing, well, not, I am not interviewing because I do not interview on this podcast. We chat, we natter. Um, I am chatting with the beautiful Carly Rowena. I hope that's how you say her last name. Um, and her husband, Leon. I met Leon at a Boardmasters festival when I was teaching yoga for Roxy. Um, and Carly and I have also connected through Instagram and Twitter so I asked her to come on the podcast because she is pregnant now I wanted to get her and she's obviously a personal trainer as well I wanted to get her um like help on um fitness and she's been doing crossfit through her pregnancy etc etc anyway we'll share all of this on the podcast but if you have any questions for her send them in. I will put this out on my Instagram as well. Send them in to me through email mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com or DM me on my Instagram, which is just Emma Jolin, J-A-U-L-I-N. Um, and let me know your questions. I'm sure you'll all have loads. I have loads for her and I'm pretty sure she'll probably have some for me too. I think she's 34, 35 weeks pregnant. So super exciting for her. And obviously, if you have any other questions for me, maybe then let me know. I know I'm not that exciting to ask questions to, but you might have some. Um, then just let me know. Right. I had better go because once again, this had been a long podcast of 52 minutes under the hour, though. I'm getting better. Um, hopefully not too waffly and full of some useful information. I'm sorry if I haven't got around to answering your questions, but I can hear Amandine downstairs and I think she's getting grouchy, which means Hendrik is probably also getting grouchy. <laughs> okay, I will check in with you next week. Lots of love to you all and wish me luck with our injections ah, on Monday. I will let you know how that goes next week for sure. All right, lots of love. Bye.